0: Hello again friends. Thank you for listening to the Antelope Island State Park Podcast. My name is Trish. I am the park naturalist out at Antelope Island. So for today's episode I wanted to dive into something a little different, into a subject that I'm not very comfortable with and that's history. History of the park. It's it's kind of a weak spot for me and my knowledge just really because I haven't spent enough time on it uh, and I want to fix that I am not a historian by any stretch of the imagination so I tend to shy away from historic subjects because I just don't want to embarrass myself I'm not great with it Uh, but I'm trying to do better I'm trying to do hard things (laughs) and learn expand my knowledge Um, and Antelope Island really has so much amazing history so I'm taking you all down with me (laughs) in my quest to do better and to learn more about the history of this amazing place. So for better or worse, here we go. Many of you are probably familiar with our iconic Frary Peak. Uh, Funny name, F-R-A-R-Y, Frary. It's the island's tallest peak and it has a pretty grueling but amazing and worthwhile and scenic and beautiful um, (laughs) seven mile round trip trail that goes all the way to the tippy top of the island it's really incredible up there if you haven't had a chance or the energy to get yourselves up there uh, i encourage you to do it the really great thing for me about the frary peak trail is that about three quarters of a mile up there is another trail it, and it leads to another smaller, shorter peak, a three mile round tripper uh, called Dooley Knob. And this is another lovely peak. It has lovely scenery. It's not the tip top, so it's, it's not gonna get you, you know, that 360 degree view. But to me, it makes for a really nice compromise. So set out to do Ferrari Peak, but if you get maybe a mile up or, or three quarters of a mile up and decide it's not in the cards, you can still go visit Dooley Knob and feel like you accomplished greatness. Even if you regularly visit the island and even hike the Frary Peak Trail quite often, you may not realize that Frary is also the name of a family who homesteaded on the island in the late 1800s. George and Alice Frary moved from Wisconsin to Colorado and then finally to Utah in 1891 and here they homesteaded 160 acres on the island just north of Fielding Gar Ranch. Alice, before she left Wisconsin, she was a schoolteacher so she was able to homeschool their children. They had five at the time. Uh, she was able to homeschool their children on the island just using her old textbooks. So right now the island is our 28,000 acre playground but to them To the Frary family it really was their backyard playground. They would climb Fremont Peak which is now named Frary Peak. It was just directly west of their homestead so pretty convenient. They could just you know scramble up that 2,000 feet in elevation (laughs) and of course they played in the lake. They swam and sailed in Great Salt Lake and occasionally took a trip down to Saltaire Resort which is just along the southern shoreline of Great Salt Lake. The site of their homestead is accessible today just by a short half-mile hiking trail. It's not difficult, it's a fairly easy trail. Watch for the turnoff. If you're heading south from the visitor center toward Fielding Gar Ranch, you'll find the turnoff to the Freire Homestead at about eight miles up the road. Now this site is nothing like the what you'll find at the well-preserved property down at Fielding Gar Ranch. What you're going to find at the old Ferrari homestead is really worn down remnants of the Ferrari home of 11 years. Uh, If you look super closely, you can see what is left of their spring house. That may be the most well-preserved just because of its location. This was a structure that was built over a spring so that water would run through it and keep food items cool. Um, It just act as a large refrigerator. They would keep produce in there, dairy and other food items uh, to keep them cool. Up above the spring house you may find uh, rows of stones or uh, piles of stones and that may have marked a path or those could have been used as construction material. You might even see some artifacts just laying on the surface. You might find some pieces of broken pottery or farm implements or equipment. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. Now, as I said, the furry family came to the island in 1891 and they spent 11 years here. They built their home and were able to grow, gather and hunt most of what they needed to support their family of seven at the time. Now as you can imagine the landscape out here is and was brutal for farming and it was not an easy lifestyle. They had to contend and compete with some of the island's natives uh, which included crickets and rabbits and other critters and wildlife that wanted to munch on their crops. Uh, Interestingly because of the slightly warmer microclimate on the island, the family could harvest their crops about two weeks earlier than the farmers across the lake. So you can even feel the difference in weather on the island today, especially in the winter. Um, There's really a noticeable difference in temperature between us and the mainland. And even sometimes, uh, you know, traffic is miserable. There's uh, winter weather advisories along the Wasatch Front. There's snow and, and ice on the freeway, and it's just a mess. And you get out to the island and it's sunny and blue skies and uh, beautiful and it's amazing we're only seven miles away but that lake really does make a difference in the weather patterns out here and, and what hits us and what what scoots around us you just really never know what you're going to get out here now shortly after their youngest child named Florence was born on the island Alice became very very sick Now remember, the causeway to the island hasn't been built yet. It wasn't built until after their time on the island, so it was not easy for them to get help or to send for help from the mainland. The family tried signaling for help, and when that didn't work, George had to sail to town to get medicine and bring back help for his wife. Unfortunately, while he was away, a huge storm came across the lake, and before he could make it back, Alice had passed away. In 1902, the family, which at this time is George and his then six children, realized that they needed to be closer to town so that the young kids could attend school. They packed what they could carry and left the island on their sailboat. So the house and most of their belongings were just left to be reclaimed by the elements out here over time. Um, When you visit the site, you might find bits and scraps of artifacts still scattered around please leave them. Leave them alone. If you are looking for souvenirs, you can find them uh, a plenty in the Parks Gift Shop in the Visitor Center, but please, please leave these last tiny scraps of homestead history right where they are. Uh, it is so powerful for our visitors to be able to hike up to this site and see this evidence just scattered around. Um, so much more powerful than just reading about it on a sign. So, Leave leave these scraps and artifacts right where you find them, uh, so that other people can continue to see them and appreciate them. Huge huge thanks goes to our ranch manager, historian, and my friend Carl Aldrich for checking my facts on this episode and hopefully keeping me from embarrassing myself. Um, <laughs> there are so many more historically significant sites out here on the island, and. You know, hopefully, I can muster up the courage to cover them in future episodes. But in the meantime, be sure to stop by Fielding Gar Ranch and chat with Carl. That's where his office is. And he he loves this stuff I of course I mean clearly am um, new to the history arena but this is he lives and breathes this stuff and he loves chatting about it Um, and he's really fun to talk to so make sure that you pop into the Fielding Gar Ranch uh, site when you're down and say hi to Carl one last thing we are hiring for summer help on the island it's hard to believe it's so cold outside but things are ramping up and we're getting prepped so if you wonder what it's like to work out here at antelope island take a listen to episode number 21 of this podcast I introduced some of my colleagues and we all expressed how really amazing it is to work out here and it's no lie, this is an amazing place to work and our crew is small so we're kind of a tight-knit little family out here and we'd love to have you join us. Information on all of our open positions can be found on our website, that is antelopeisland.utah.gov If you scroll down just a bit on that main page, you're going to find a link for the seasonal jobs and volunteer opportunities that are available. Now, these positions change frequently, so if you don't see something interesting, just keep checking back. This website is also where you will find information on our current volunteer opportunities. If you want to hear from some of our amazing volunteers and their experience and service at the park, check out our episode number 12 of this podcast. And now that I've said that, I cannot believe that we've been doing this for nearly two years. Thank you so, so much for supporting this little podcast project. And I really hope that you'll subscribe and share our monthly podcast with your friends and family. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, you can reach me directly at tackley, A C K L E Y, at utah.gov. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at Antelope Island SP. Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, Twitter at Antelope SP, and you can find our channel on YouTube. Antelope Island State Park is open every day from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Visit our website for current park conditions and upcoming events. That is antelopeisland.utah.gov. See you on the island.